Crude oil is crude. Natural gas is pure. That's why Pennzoil's base oil is made from natural gas, not crude. It gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Pennzoil. Based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. Today's opening tip, Pascal Siakam continues to shine up north. Watch this spin move and the and one finish against Al Horford and Joel Embiid. Scotty, is there anything Siakam can't do right now? No, I mean, <laughs> he is on a high. I mean, this this kid is unstoppable right now. And I think that it's still a lot of room for improvement. No, that's just, the scary part. Just to think, a few months ago, he was struggling hard against the Sixer team. And then last night, he dominated them like they didn't even exist. I know. And there's uh, another storyline from that game we'll get to in a little bit. Welcome to The Jump. I'm George Sedano. In for our fearless leader, Rachel Nichols, alongside ESPN NBA front office insider, Amino Hassan, and Basketball Hall of Famer and six-time NBA champion, Scotty Pippen. Coming up in a few minutes, we'll be trusting the process or should the Sixers be trusting the process? It took a little hit last night with Joel Embiid being shut down by the defending champs. Is there cause for pause? But first, let's take a look at the Lake Show. The Lakers won their eighth straight in San Antonio Monday behind 33 points and 14 assists from LeBron and another good shooting game from L.A. They've made 43% of their threes the last five games. Here's LeBron explaining in the postgame why the offense is working right now. We have a lot of options when we have a lot of guys that can, um, you know, make shots. But at the end of the day, when we put the ball on the ground, we attract eyes. And when you attract eyes, you got numbers on the weak side. And, you know, you want to pass up a good shot to get a great shot. It just makes everyone feel so much more important to the offense and to the rhythm of the game when you're making extra passes. So L.A. has established a top five defense and now the shooting is picked up. So, Scotty. Is the key to the Lakers' success offense or defense? I, I feel like it's just their defense, and I didn't think I would be sitting here saying that. But, you know, when you got two of the best players in the game uh, offensively in LeBron and AD, you would think that this team is driven on just scoring a lot of points. But it's really been about them stopping. You look at LeBron and some of the highlight films, how he, he runs back, stops transition uh, opportunities for other teams. So it's about them protecting the, the paint. And when you're talking about winning an NBA title, uh, um, that man right there wearing number 23 knows that it starts on the defensive end. Yeah, I, I think there's a couple of things to success. Offense, defense, how about their schedule, right? <laughs> They've been playing really bad teams. The last San Antonio, way below 500. Memphis, way below 500. Oklahoma City twice, way below 500. Atlanta, way b- below 500. Sacramento, below 500. Golden State, the worst team in the NBA. So that th- those are the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games they played in this eight-game winning streak. Um, but to answer the question, absolutely, it's the defense. Uh, Sam Amick of the Athletic had a really nice article today about their uh, kind of Vogel coming in and putting his defensive imprint, something that LeBron praised them for from his time in Indiana, saying Indiana's one of the toughest teams they used to play against when he was with the Heat. But I think the biggest thing here is LeBron's played 35 minutes in 13 out of 17 games, mm-hmm. including that, some of these games in this stretch right here. It's great that he's doing it, and it's great that he's playing defense on both ends. That's awesome. But I got to wonder, in November, if you need LeBron to play 36, 37, 38 minutes to beat the Grizzlies by one, what does that mean later on in April, May, and June? Because, George, as you know, we haven't seen LeBron play this hard on the defensive end since his third Miami year. years, yeah. I mean, his last year in Miami, he didn't play like Right, this it was the previous years. Yeah, so yeah. The, it, there's at some point there's a bill that's going to show up in the mail. I wonder if the Lakers are going to be able to play. Pay. I, I don't. I don't think there's a wall for LeBron James. No, I, I, Scott, I, I think he's, the he's sky's the limit. I know, but I, as a player, and I played for a while in mm-hmm. this league. When you get up around that that age, you're in the prime. 
And LeBron James right now is in the prime he's of in his prime? career. Damn. He is managing his body better. He's managing his minutes. And he's managing his possessions out on the basketball floor. Um, yes, he's still running on court and stopping guys in transition. But uh, just the ability to be a better floor general out on the basketball court, putting guys in the right position to be successful, that's what I see in LeBron James right now. And I feel like these 35 minutes are not hard minutes on his body. He's really managing managing his moments out there on the court and picking his time to turn it on. To your point, Scotty, I think with age, right, experience, all that comes together, and you do know your body better. Yes. He kind of joked yesterday, maybe it's the wine that he's yeah. drinking uh, that has allowed it, but the fact yes. that he knows how his body will react to certain things, whether it's you know a meal or a glass of wine right. or anything, all that comes with experience. So I think to Scotty's point, uh, that makes some sense. Uh, but to your point about Vogel and Sam Amick's article, look, Vogel preached defense right. from day one in camp, and we all kind of laughed a little bit like, okay, you're going to get LeBron to play defense in November, but he did, and he deserves a a ton of credit for that, and Anthony Davis deserves a lot of credit too, because remember, he came out and said, I'm going to hold LeBron accountable from the get-go. He did. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you look at this team, what are the challenges can they put in front of themselves? I mean, they got two of the best offensive players in the game, right? and they are unstoppable each and every night if they want to be, but they've choose to sacrifice and play hard on the defensive end and makes make the game fun for other guys. This team is scoring a lot of points in transition, which tells me that they're, they're doing a lot on the defensive end. And they're the only team, I believe, that boasts two top five players on their roster right now. Yeah. Uh, the Clippers are close, I think, right. potentially, but I think the Lakers are that one team. And LeBron is on the revenge tour. There's clearly no no issues with that. Like, six, we've seen it now. Six months off helps, I guess. Yeah, well, yeah whatever it took. But he said he was coming, and he's here. All right, next, the Sixers lost a nail-biter last night to the Raptors, but the biggest surprise was Joel Embiid's point total. Zero. Zero. Embiid had his first career scoreless game, missing all 11 shots. So far this season, the Raptors have already held LeBron to 13 points, Kawhi to 12, and Damian Lillard to 9, all season lows. So, Amin, is Embiid's scoreless game cause for pause? In the grand scheme of things, no. It's 82 games. It's like we want to panic about it, but in the reality, it's in the trash can and he's right. going to the next game. But a player of his caliber should never have zero points. He may have zero field goals made. He may have a terrible night. He should never have zero points unless they triple team them every game, every play, in which case he should have had 17 assists. But he's got to be able to get to the free throw line. He's got to be able to make free throws and score points that way. We see James Harden all the time have three of 17, three of 20 right. shooting nights. Inefficient nights. But he's at the free throw line 10, 11, 12 times. There's not a player in this league who's physically capable of guarding Joel Embiid like straight up and not getting into some foul trouble. So he's got to do better. But in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really mean much. No, I don't think it means much. I mean, this is part of the NBA. And there's going to be nights when there's ups and downs and you're traveling and things of that nature. And you just can't get the ball to go in. But as Amin said, he's too good of a player to allow this to happen. You got to find a way to score. Didn't get to the foul line but three times and missed those. And somewhere within that game, he lost his confidence and his will to want to score. So, Scotty, how much credit should we give the Raptors, though, with the way they're playing? You know, they're the defending champs. No Kawhi. Most people are like, eh, they'll be okay. But, you know, they're right in the mix in the Eastern Conference right well, now. Well, they deserve all the credit because they the one snatched his heart last night. Right. They, they took his confidence and they were, you know, they contested everything. Every shot made it very difficult for him to get to the rim. So they deserve all the praise here. This is a, what, top five, top 
top ten. They're six defensive six rating. Yeah. yeah. This isn't an accident. Last night wasn't a fluke. Obviously, a big portion of it is Embiid. He's, like we say, he got to be more aggressive. But he didn't do this against a team that got lucky. He right. did this against one of the best defensive teams in the league. Defending and I, champs. I and the yeah. winning champs. And I got to go pride there. Well, t- talk about pride. Go back to what Nick Nurse talked about when they asked him, hey, uh, Stanley Johnson and Rondé House Jefferson are not playing. Is it, is it hard for them to get accustomed? He said, no, we have standards defensively. And if you don't live up to them, you don't play. And you see that. That's, that's, that, that's how they maintain the integrity of their defense, by holding guys accountable like that. Nick Nurse, a North American treasure, obviously, yeah. here in the NBA. But, um, look, a lot of people questioned him a little bit, too. Like, he got the most out of that team last mm-hmm. year. But the question is always, can you be consistent with that stuff? How do you believe he's fared thus far early on this season? Tremendous. I mean, again, Nick was, for full disclosure, Nick was our G League affiliate head coach when I was in Phoenix. So mm-hmm. I've known Nick for a long time. I've known a couple of guys on the staff, Nate, Nate Bjorken. And, and so, so these guys are extra prepared and very creative and, you know, they're problem solvers. So I'm not surprised at all. I think the biggest story is Pascal Siakam, what he's become as right. a player. Because even last year, I remember we interviewed him on the radio and he said, I never imagined I'd be this good. This was last year he said that. Yeah. So now he's even probably doubled what he, what he did last year as far as uh, caliber of play. As a number one option, being able to produce that many points per game efficiently and still be great defensively, that's you got to give it up to him. Pascal Siakam may be most improved player two years in a row yeah. and could be an MVP candidate, Scott. Yeah, I mean, and you have to give credit to what Nick Nurse has been able to create there. He's been able to create a culture there. Mm-hmm. Uh, even losing Kawhi, um, you know, for anyone who didn't watch this team a year ago, wouldn't even know that they lost uh, a MVP mm-hmm. from the finals. So they've created a culture there. They're fun to watch, and they, they play hard. They play together, and that's what makes winning basketball. And producing without Kyle Lowry, yep. without Serge Ibaka, that's both true. those guys hurt. And yep. by the way, keep, people forget, Danny Green was a big part of that Yeah, team. that's an excellent point. Yeah. Well. Right. Yeah. yeah, and they supplement through the G League. I know you talked about oh, that yeah. a couple weeks ago as well. So, Challenge All right, staying in the East, the Bucks improved their winning streak to eight games behind 50. 50 from the Greek freak, including 32 in the second half. Milwaukee outlasted Utah to continue the streak. And despite not having Chris Middleton for the last seven games, they've still been rolling. So, Scotty, what's the bigger deal? Giannis getting 50 or the Bucks' eight-game win streak? Well, I think it's Giannis getting 50. You know, uh, I think a year ago we would say Giannis would probably sell it for 30, 35-point mm-hmm. game because late in the games he's not going to be that aggressive offensively. But we're seeing a new beast this year. Uh, he's he's unleashing a lot of different parts of his game. He's shooting the three ball, still not making it a high percentage, but the defense have to respect it now because he will take those shots. But I, I think this guy's scoring 50 points a night, and the sky's the limit in terms of his growth and development going forward. Uh, this is scary. I mean, what are you seeing differently from Giannis this year? Well, like Scotty said, he's taking the three. And, and I think that's a huge step. People are saying, well, he's shooting only, you know, some odd percentage or whatever. He's not shooting 40%. Of the three. That's, but that's, you can't jump from nothing to being one right. of the great three-point shooters. The first step between that is to be able to confidently take it and make it. And we saw that last night. He had a couple pull-ups against Utah, which is a pretty good defensive team. That's the first step. And it started really in the playoffs last year. Um, but as he continues to become more comfortable just taking that shot within the flow of the offense, it's going to come more naturally to him because his, his stroke isn't broken. He's got a nice stroke, so I think we better watch out. But this is how spoiled I am. I'm like, I'm not really that impressed by the 50 point. I'm like, what? <laughs> the Bucks are winning? Chris Middleton is on this yeah. I'm more impressed by that. Although, yeah, their depth is good. Although, yeah. 
their schedule also. If I'm going to say about the Lakers, okay. I'm going to say about the Bucks. The right. schedule's been, you know, a couple of Atlantas in there. What you got? Some Chicago, yeah. some Oklahoma City, some Portland, Detroit. Yeah, like, right. ah, come on. Yeah, I'm, I'm impressed when a guy can score 50 points and he's not particularly a three-point shooter right. in today's game. Yeah. So, um, you know, he's, he's going to be a guy that's going to shoot in the high 50s, probably 60%. They used to do it all the time in your day, Scotty. <laughs> that is true. That is true. They used now, to do now, it back now then. That's yeah. a, now that's a big deal. <laughs> it is a little bit of a big deal. <laughs> there you go. Coming up next, our fearless leader, Rachel Nichols, sits down with Celtics GM Danny Ainge to talk Kemba, Kyrie, and who was to blame for Boston's struggles ah. last season. But first, it's time for our distant replay from this date in 2003, featuring one of Amin's oh, favorite players. Vince Carter. Is it? Oh, yes, it there is. There it is. Yes, I was. Yes, I was. Wow. Oh, wow. Was this intern of me? This was, uh, yes. This is part-time employee of me. Wait, wait how, how old was he here now? Vince? 40? <laughs> He's like Benjamin Button. Shout out to Jack Vaughn. And who is that next to him? Carter. Who is that? Oh, man, was that Zaza? Well, I know. I see Mo Pete in there and Antonio Davis. Oh, Deion Glover. Deion Glover, you stop cussing on there. Tomorrow, we've got a great NBA Wednesday doubleheader. First, it's the Nets traveling to Boston to face the Celtics at 7 Eastern, followed by the Lakers taking on the Pelicans, featuring Anthony Davis's return game to New Orleans, and a terrible sideline reporter on that game. All right, what a difference a year makes. The Boston Celtics are playing with renewed hope and expectations after a turbulent season last year, which ended in player conflict and an early exit from the playoffs. The team's attitude this year has been described as happy. And, of course, the encore success has followed. The Celtics are 12-4 and and are tied for the Atlantic Division lead. Our Rachel Nichols sat down with GM Danny Ainge last week before Kemba Walker's injury to talk about the differences from last year and what he's learned. Kyrie Irving going to miss the next three games with a shoulder injury. He was supposed to make his return to Boston on Wednesday. That now will not happen. Kyrie is missing some games right now with a shoulder injury. It's still a natural time to check in on where these two franchises are when you had a key player go from one team to the other. You know, Kyrie for his first year and a half was terrific for us. And I really liked and was hopeful that it was going to be a good marriage going forward. But um, he really wanted to go home. And that's his choice. And I don't know why he gets all the blame. I mean, I'm the one who should be blamed for last year. We put a team together that just didn't have the pieces that didn't fit. We had a lot of talent, a lot of expectations, but um, it's certainly not Kyrie's fault. You think it was your fault? Yeah, yeah, I do think it was my fault. I think there's some some things I wish I had done different. Is there one thing that stands out that you wish you had done differently last year? Yeah, I mean, I I think that in hindsight, I wish I would have cleaned out the roster a little bit to make it easier for Brad. You know, we had a deep roster. We were built for a longer run, but... Uh, we had a lot of young guys that had a lot of success without Gordon and Kyrie. And um, the guys that had success without those two guys, you know, felt like it was their time mm-hmm. for the spotlight. And it just didn't mesh. What do you do as a front office? How do you pivot when you know a top 15 player is walking out the door with no compensation? Well, we had a, a long list of point guards that are coming out in the draft, mm-hmm. point guards that are in free agency, players on our own roster and um, Kimba was a guy that came available to us all day let's get it big top looking sharp boy yes sir and now where he has a chance 
to win. Like he's winning games at a higher rate than he ever has and you can see that joy. We didn't have that last year. Even when we were playing well, we didn't really find the happiness in playing mm -hmm. and um, the joy with playing with one another. So, um, yeah, Kimbo was a great fit for us. What the Celtics are doing right now, which is playing a lot of the game without traditional bigs or even a traditional big at times, I'm not sure they can get away with this as a core way they're going to play the rest of the year. You watched Al Horford go to Philadelphia this summer. Yeah. You traded Aaron Baines to Phoenix. Is that a spot where you feel like, man, i got to beef that up before we get to the playoffs? I don't know. I'm anxious to see how our young players, I mean, I think it's a good thing that we can't do trades until... December 15th. Or most of the league is off limits yeah. until, until that point. I know your nickname in a lot of circles in Boston is Trader Danny. I don't know if you know what I say about you on TV. What's the, what's the rule about Danny Ainge if you're another team? Don't make trades with Danny Ainge. Don't answer the call. This is someone who, frankly, has a lot of other GM's heads on his wall. Zach? Don't trade with Danny Ainge. He's just so ridiculously good at taking other GM's lunch money. Are you really lining up to be his next victim? I'm not sure anyone should answer the phone when you call them. Rachel, that's not true. We we do fair trades. I'm just saying, Danny. Yeah, if you no, look at the track record, it's been a bit imbalanced at times. We've had some good and bad trades, no question about it. I do think that you know trades are all about fit. When you're you know when you're a better team, you know the, some when you acquire players, it's going to make you look better. So if you want to win a trade, just trade a player to a really bad team. <laughs> And nobody, and it will, you'll look better, but, um, that's not what we're about. And, um, and, you know, I'm glad that people still take our calls. A big part of the team's early success was Gordon Hayward. Then he breaks his hand. You had an interesting quote after Gordon went down that you said it was a chance for other guys to step up. And you knew this because you said that you always got a little juice in the games and the days where Larry Bird was hurt and not playing. Which made me wonder, does Larry know that you had a voodoo doll of him and we're sticking pins in it or what here? Oh, no, no, there were no voodoo dolls for him and Kevin. They were just such great players. They were just so dominant. I mean, when I'm a rookie, I'm coming off of a down screen and I catch the ball and I, and I shoot it. Shots I've taken my whole life. Mm -hmm. Coach call, pulls me over and, and he says, um, you know, what's your shooting percentage? I said, like 50%. He goes, yeah, that's really good. Mm -hmm. He said, what's their shooting percentage? <laughs> And I looked at Mikhail and Bird and went like 60. You go, yeah, let's get the ball into the inside. Let's quit those taking those shots. But, you know, the thing that, that, that was interesting about that is that the, these guys that um, now get a chance to play and step mm -hmm. up their game like they did on Gordon's first injury, mm -hmm. they will get an opportunity to do a little bit more. If we can just hold down the fort and give some guys some good experience in his absence, that would be great. The team and the chemistry isn't the only thing that's improved from last year. You, yourself, are healthy, you're fit, uh, you look great after your heart attack in the spring, and you said at the time that you were being told to eat more greens, but not the Bill Walton kind of greens. <laughs> yeah. So I just wanted to know, I, I hear things, yeah, <laughs> Danny, I'm plugged that. in here, and I just wanted to know if you have gotten any advice from Bill over the past few months. I haven't seen Bill yet, but I, I always love watching Bill do his broadcast. He cracks me up. But yeah, he does eat a few too many greens, I think. Mm -hmm. <laughs> New star for the Boston Celtics. He's fit in rather well. Celtics, of course, with the, the best record in the NBA. And Kemba Walker has fit in beautifully. He has such effusive joy when playing the game that it's contagious for his teammates. So it has been quite a year. You lost an All-Star. You gained an All-Star. Now that it's all said and done... Did you learn anything you can share with us? Are you a year wiser? 
I learned some things last year. Yeah, I think we all learned things. I think that I'd be a little bit more careful going into uh, uh, building another team that had such equal depth. You know, the Lakers have really good depth, in my opinion, right now. And but they have two stars, and there's no questions, if ands or buts about it. Last year we had eight guys or nine guys that all thought they were equal to each other, and uh, you know nobody just took the job and won it. But you know that certainly is not going to happen with LeBron and Anthony Davis, and it makes it much easier for people to accept roles when there is a clear hierarchy. Well, we've just had a Celtic compliment the Lakers. It's time to end this interview. <laughs> okay. Great job by Rachel, as always, and thank you to Danny as well. And, yes, let the record show, the general manager of the Celtics, Danny Ainge, complimented the Lakers in their depth. So, I mean, Danny was very honest and had some interesting comments on last year's team, but do you buy that the Celtics had too much depth last season? Yeah, I mean, I talked about it before the season even started last year. We talked, remember the analogy I used about if you fly uh, coach and then you get upgraded to first class, it's really hard to be told to go back to coach, and it that's is. what they had. When those guys were hurt the year before, you had Brown and Tatum and, and Rozier step up and get really big roles and touches and, and have that success deep in the playoffs, and then come back to well, Kyrie and Hayward are back, guys, so, so go back to coach it's in the middle seat and wait for your peanuts and stuff while these guys drink champagne in the lay flats and and you you couldn't have that without a, what danny called a clear hierarchy there has to be very defined roles in order for a team to be successful well i think you can follow this either way you know i think you can follow what danny said is that you know there was too much talent but i think you can also look at this and say he didn't have the right people in place to manage that talent hmm. uh, you look at Kyrie; he was a very young transferring from being under LeBron's wing for most of his career. And now he have to go to a team that's full of a lot of talent, as Danny Ainge said. Mm. Well, that wasn't what he was expecting. Right. Those young players were ready to challenge him any day and every day. And, of course, for Brad Stevens, it, it wasn't fair to him being a young coach and not really um, ready to deal with all those yeah. egos of young players, hungry players who had success the year before and now – feel like it was their time to step out and be a star, they have to take a back seat. So I, it, it was a very difficult atmosphere mm -hmm. for those players. I've been in an atmosphere similar to that, but I did it with veteran players right. who accepted their role and who was willing to take a back seat. Yeah. And I've also been in it with younger players out in Portland with the Blazers. Again, talented players, but having the right leaders always helps. Yeah, young players want to eat. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, and a lot of those guys are trying to create their legacies right, and yeah. let their reputation know and fight for their next contracts in the league. But that's funny. I never even thought about it. Brad Stevens had never coached a team loaded with stars. Right. Uh -huh. Butler, he yeah. didn't do it. Yeah. In Boston, he didn't do it. And mm -hmm. last year was the first time he had so much talent. You have to manage, and that's a different mm -hmm. job than coaching sure. up guys. No question. And, and, and for Kyrie, it, it, it has to be a, a tough challenge for him because I don't think any of those kids really bowed down to him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, had that been LeBron James they would have approached the game a different way. Yeah. But Kyrie just hadn't gotten that, that star yet where they wanted to give him that respect. They yep. were willing to challenge him more. Absolutely. Yeah, they got to Game 7 without him, and that was always kind of lingering over their heads. So coming up, Luka Mania oh. is rolling. 40-point games, 30-point triple-doubles. Kawhi Leonard says Luka is the head of the snake. So how do the Clippers stop him? We'll discuss. He's a big head. Next. Make or miss leave. Um. <laughs>
<laughs> Make miss. Ovo je Liga promašaj pogodaka. Okay, Nurk. Make recognition with this fourth quarter. Three here versus the Bulls. Melo passed Alex English for 18th all-time on the scoring list. Then Lala FaceTime their son from the courtside there. So yeah. Melo got a chance to salute his son. Scott, are you enjoying vintage Melo last night? I, I'm, I'm loving it. You know, I'm, I'm happy that he's back in the league and just the camaraderie from his peers is, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy for him and he definitely deserves, as we've been watching, to be in the game, uh, putting up a lot of points still. Six for six on catch and shoots last night. Nice. Wow. That helps. That's what they want. That's what they want out of him. We move on. Miss... Honest basketballs. Honest. Josh Richardson gets the dribble handoff here, chucks up a brick, and oh. flails just enough wait, to get a whistle. Wait. No contact wow. there. Wow. Yeah. Then he proceeded to miss Ready. all three yeah. free throws. Oh. I mean, do you think Rasheed Wallace is somewhere smiling? We're all smiling. And by the way, I saw that Patrick Beverly got fined. How about we find Josh Richardson for flopping? Because they, they just got to stop. Get this out of the game. Oh, look at Drake. Wow. Scotty, you know what? Don't find him. Don't find him. Drake laughing is, a, is punishment enough. Scotty fine there for Josh Richardson? Uh, he should be fine for missing three free throws. <laughs> <laughs> Next year. I like the move. <laughs> <laughs> Vet move there by Josh Richardson. Make highlights. Wolves, Hawks. Check this out. A step back from Trey Young. Ah, look at that. And then we'll take oh, another look man. here in a second. Oh, defensive play on him too. Then later on, on. he had a beautiful behind-the-back pass after this to Jabari Parker. You'll see that here in just a moment. Look at this. Whoop. Wow. Yeah. Easy bucket Did there. Steve Nash Scotty, which was more impressive? Uh, I think it was the pass. Yeah. I think it was the pass. I'm, I'm, I'm used to him doing that step back, dropping yeah. at three. Either him or James Harden. So Yeah, for sure. Pick your poison. The pass is what makes him special. Yeah, the True, pass. for sure. I, I like a guy that's willing to give. Oh, man, that's Graham he did it on. Look at that. Excellent point. We move on. Miss control. Back to Toronto and Sixers. Outrunning, and Al Horford throws an errant lob. You know what, but it's man? directly into the backboard. Two possessions later, though, we got the full-court dime from Ben Simmons. So, I mean, should Big Al just leave the point guarding to, to Simmons? Nah, y'all ain't going to pick on my guy Al. He's one of the best <laughs> the ball handling, passing big men we have in the league. Everyone has a bad day. Yes. Yeah. Like, come it's on. Just, man. That just was, it happens. Pass. Yeah, man. He's good. We love Big Al. Yeah, man. For sure. All right. Welcome back to the jump. I'm George Sedano and for Rachel Nichols. That's Amino Hassan. That's six-time NBA champ Scotty Pippen. The NBA season is quickly turning into a showcase down in Dallas featuring 20-year-old Phenom. His name, Luka Doncic. Here's a look at the dominance of Doncic. He has a vibe to him. His intrinsic sense for what's going to happen next. He and LeBron James, the only players with a 40-point triple-double before the age of 21. You can stop talking about his age because it obviously doesn't make any difference. They have a bona fide star in this kid right here. I was confident last year, but obviously this year uh, I'm playing better than last year for now. Just to get used to the NBA, uh, it's going to be tough games. Hey, let's make a stop, yo. It's a lot of things. Mental things. I got ball, I got ball. The way the game is played. Good shot, boy. Uh, I'm getting used to everything. And it's a lot about confidence. Ah! James isolating against Doncic. You bet! Doncic, he got it! LeBron is a great player. He was my idol when I was young, so facing him, it was great stuff for me. Doncic soared when no one else did. Oh, yeah, it was a great game, you know. Obviously, uh, I wanted to win. But that didn't happen. 
I always admire him, so it was a special moment for me. I'm going to remember that game for a long time. Oh, Luka Doncic with the glory. Luka, Luka Magic has made everybody hoot up. I always felt like I can lead some teams. The legend of Luka continuing to be written. Well, we got a group of young guys that can keep building up enough. No, we're not down top, not yet for sure, and we just got to get better. Luka Doncic is only the fifth player to ever average a 30-point triple-double over a 10-game span, joining LeBron, Russ, Jordan, and Oscar. That's a pretty good group there. Uh, tonight, the Mavs host the Clippers and their group of talented perimeter defenders. Scotty, as one of the best perimeter defenders ever. ever. Did they keep my pitch off of there for a reason? <laughs> <laughs> How do the Clips try to defend Luka? Wow. Well, that's, that's going to be a tall order. I mean, right now, his confidence is so high. And he's playing with such a pace. You know, you, you, you can't get him out of control. You, you can't get him rattled. Uh, you, you can't get him off of his execution. I, I, I think you, you allow him to score the basketball or not allow him, but I think you deny the other guys. I, I think it's his all around game that makes him so effective. And he, he gets a lot of guys trying to bite on and catching them cheating. And that's when his all around game really Stands out. I, I think for me, um, knowing the Clippers, they got a lot of bodies to still throw at him from Patrick Beverly to Kawhi, uh, Paul George. Mm. But um, I don't think any of those guys size wise matches up with this kid. Well, he's he's physically gifted and uh, he has the ability to play the game at his own pace. And for me, I would say try and stop the other guys. But he's probably going to still be able to manage 30 points. But if you can cut down the 10 assists and the. 10 rebounds, then you've done a job. I mean, to Scotty's point, he, clearly he leads them in assists and points, but he's been their best rebounder yeah. in this stretch, too. He's so. a big dude, man. Yeah. People don't understand. Yeah. He, yeah. He's not like a frail, skinny kid. He's a big, physical yes. player. He's he Like Scotty said, he plays at his own pace, so it gives you the illusion of he's slow. But no, he's just taking his own time. He, you can't rush him in anything. The player that he reminds me of the most in the league, is actually a guy the Clippers played last week, James Harden. Mm. And so I wonder if the Clippers are going to try to guard him the same way they guarded Harden, where a lot of double teams, a lot of, a lot of traps, and try to get the ball out of his hands. Now the problem is, you can't do it like the Clippers did, where the weak side defense is totally asleep and you get a bunch of guys who are wide open for three. You gotta be a lot more active on the weak side if you're going to do this every single time. Probably a better strategy is you throw some doubles sometimes. Sometimes you show them single coverage. Sometimes it's Kawhi. Sometimes it's Paul George. Keep them guessing because the more kind of he can rely on, oh, they're going to send two this way or these two guys, the more easier it is for him to process what's happening. Scotty, to his point, we've seen recently that trend with James Harden. And in the James Harden situation, they've been sending the double very early in the shot clock. Do you think that that could be a good strategy for Luka? I don't don't think that style will work against Luka because he's not the type of player that's going to be looking to score the basketball. Uh, He's he's more of a facilitator. He's going to get the team involved. And then when things break down, now you got to worry about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, late clock action, things of that nature. But I think throughout the game, I think you'll be burning a lot of energy if you try to take the ball out of his hand. He's still going to execute the offense. Again, he's a player that plays with a pace. So they're not going to be able to speed him up or rattle him. 
He's 20 years old. He's crazy. He can't drink. Right now, he could not come and have a <laughs> He drink. could when he was in Europe. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's true. Take it back. Here. I'll see you in Ljubljana. <laughs> All right. Coming up, one of the 2020 top high school prospects joins us. His name, Josh Christopher. We'll There's discuss yeah, yeah, the yeah. new recruiting process and being on the next cover of Slam Magazine. I'm going to tamper, by the way. I hope y'all know that. Here's what the jump recommends first before that. Royce Young breaks down the intricacies and the dark art of defending a free throw. Yes, defending a free throw. So check it out. Of course, Patrick Beverly be one of the dudes who does it. (laughs) Watch SportsCenter at 6 Eastern after PTI with Sage and Keith. They'll examine just how hot Jason Garrett's seat is as the Cowboys prep for their Thanksgiving Day game against the Bills. Catch it on ESPN and the ESPN app. But first, take a look at this. One thing the country needs to know about Josh Christopher, five-star player, five-star person. This guy's strong, smart, skilled, and his leadership ability at a young age is very advanced. And he's a guy who can really play. All right, we'd like to welcome the number 12 recruit on the 2020 ESPN 100, Josh Christopher of Mayfair High School. Joining the jump. Welcome, young man. Good to have you aboard. So you're on the uh, cover of the latest issue of Slam Magazine. How did that all come about? What was that like for you? Man, that was like one of the craziest experiences ever. Uh, basically, I grew up with Jay Green. That's my boy. Shout out Jay Green. We were sitting on the bench with each other in the seventh grade. And then wow. just to be able to share that spotlight with him now in high school at a young age. And I just enjoyed just doing the shoot, taking pictures. Yeah. Being with Sharif Cooper, too. I love that dude. So just being with my friends, you know, just sharing the spotlight. Hey, I've watched you play, man, and um, for a couple of years now. So I wanted to ask you: Is high school competition too easy for you? Um, <laughs> I want to hear it because you got a very mature game. Uh, so I will say it's not the most challenging thing for me to do what I have to do, but definitely just seeing different like variations of de- defenses. Uh, they've definitely sent multiple people at me boxing one, so I've had to find different kind of ways to score the ball and keep my teammates involved, you know, while still trying to win games too. So what's up with the short shorts now? It's like a comeback! Uh, yeah. <laughs> Man, I've been roll them up and make them shorter. <laughs> I've been doing my shorts little forever. Uh, California made the rule that we couldn't roll them anymore, so I took them oh, to the wow. tailor across the <laughs> Uh, you, you can make rules about it, but I'm going to find a way. I have to. I have to. <laughs> Had it all hemmed up. I, I got a question for you. Uh, you see a lot of prospects lately have been skipping the college route, going international. You look at LaMelo Ball. You look at R.J. Hampton. You look at uh, Terrence Ferguson, right. some other guys over the last few years. Have you considered that at all? Honestly, I've been so caught up in my own season, you know, high school basketball, AAU, and uh, – of course, I see my peers doing that. Melo is very successful in his overseas route, uh, so is RJ. But uh, I've been so focused on, you know, doing the high school thing, and my next step would be college. So I think I would just kind of focus on that, you know, whatever happens. Speaking of that, you've been on the recruiting trail. We've got a clip here of you and Juwan Howard at Michigan, which yeah. is which has been cool. How has the recruitment process gone for you? Uh, I'm enjoying it. Um, it's definitely not what I expected. I thought it was all going to be glitz and glamour, but yeah. it definitely has its ups and downs. Juwan dancing with you. I like that. It's my yeah. guy. Yeah, no, we had a great time in Michigan. So I think he kind of made my recruiting process, like, 
a lot more fun. I think right. I had a good time, you know, just hanging out with him and uh, him as a person. Who are some of the teams that are in your recruitment process uh, right now? So right now I have a list of four. It's Michigan, UCLA, ASU, and Missouri. Those are my four. ASU? Teams. Yeah. You better go to ASU, man. <laughs> hey, we don't have winners. It's great. I live in, in uh, Phoenix. <laughs> He's I'm, selling you. I'm a, I told you I was Tampa. ASU, the weather's great. Bobby Hurley, great coach, great staff, great facility. You got to go there. My brother's over there, too, bro. Right, right. My brother, Caleb, man. There you that's go. That's, that's great. I got a quick question for you. Obviously, your dream is to play in the league at one point. Um, do you – who do you watch in the league and say, I'm going to try and model some of my game after these guys? Honestly, I've started watching a lot more film. I think the main person I've been watching is a lot of Kobe. Mm. A lot of Kobe. I just love his games. We said in the league, man. It's still pretty nasty, though. Hey, yeah, I'm Go ahead. <laughs> I don't think you could ever put Kobe out of the, out of anything. League now, league twenty years from now, I think Kobe will always just be somebody we're talking about. It's just the way he takes shots and he makes shots, big time shot maker. So yeah, I just well, think I live for that spotlight as well. As I said, I watch you play all uh, numerous amount of times, as you know, and you do play exactly like Kobe. So. <laughs> I there it is. You was, was, was going to say that. That's a compliment from a Hall of Famer six-time oh, yeah. champ right he is, there. He's, he's a real player. Nice. Josh, thank you so much for stopping yeah, by. I appreciate it. Best of luck to yes, you, of sir. course. You. All right, that, coming up next, the Heat dropped their City Edition jerseys. Another Vice Edition. Are they the best in the league? Of course they are. But we'll discuss anyway, so we'll get to that. But first, time for our second distant replay of the day. This one from this date in 1993 featuring Chris Weber. Arizona State, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> Look at C-Web. Oh, you know. oh, oh Wow. That was nasty. Oh, man. Look at Latrell. Baldy Latrell. This is yeah. back in the day. Look at Sean Bradley. That's Sean Bradley. Poor Sean Bradley. You ain't even an athlete, you Sean oh, Bradley. Oh, <laughs> oh, the turkey neck for Thanksgiving. <laughs> Yeah. Peace Week rolls on tonight with the Maui Jim Maui Invitational Semis on ESPN and the ESPN app. Virginia Tech takes on Dayton at 8 Eastern. Then number four, Kansas, squares off against BYU. Ah. It's crunch time here on The Jump. The Heat unveiled their new City Edition Vice jerseys. Different colors this year. They're amazing. I mean, do the Heat have the best City Edition jerseys, hands down? Hold on, let me put on my Heat Island coat right now. Oh, there you go. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yes, every year they got the best City Edition they do. jerseys. And my guy Lorenzo Butler for the Miami Heat, you know where to find me, bro. I need to get my Vice City jersey. Personalized, El Hassan, E-L-H-A-S-S-A-N, one word. All I know is that uh, AJ Speaks of the Miami oh. Heat already texted me that mine are on the way. So, oh, uh, ooh, sunshine he even... makes that jersey look real good. It does. It looks nice, for sure. That look good, too, They are huh? beautiful. And last year's were nice, yeah. too. They had the, the black ones with the pink and then the pink ones with the black. So they're doing it right, for sure, they're with the those best. jerseys. The best. There's Always no doubt. got some flavor. Yep. Next, Patrick Beverly has been fined $5,000 oh, oh. for this flop versus the Rockets. This was his sep- second flopping in inter- infraction, excuse me. Uh, Beverly was warned after the Celtics Clippers game last week. I almost flopped here. Uh, I mean, has it, it's been over three years since the player was fined for flopping. Should floppers be on high alert right yeah, now? Yeah, watch out. The league, league is coming for five grand from your millions and millions of dollars, so watch out. That ought to teach him. <laughs> Scotty, should be more than five? What do you think? Hey, yo. I don't think they should get fined Bravo. if they get away with it. Okay. Okay. Bravo. I don't think they should be fined. Forget it. If All you right. can trick an official, trick them. <laughs> Spoken like a true player. The NBA is considering major changes to the calendar. According to Woj and Zach Lowe, the league is in discussions with the Players Association and their broadcast partners. 
And they have hopes for an April vote with the Board of Governors and are targeting the 2021-22 season to launch these new proposals. Here's a look at some of the potential changes. A 30-team mid-season tournament, a play-in tournament for the final two playoff spots in each conference, reseeding of the conference finalists by overall record, reduced the regular season from 82 to 78. So, Amin, are you a fan of the postseason play-in tourney and the reseeding and all the stuff they got going on? All right, so the reseeding, I'm a fan of theoretically, but it'll never happen because you got 15 teams in the Eastern. I don't want to play those Western teams in the playoffs, and you need a three-quarters majority in order to pass any of these things. So, basically, you need eight teams in the East to say, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah, they're not going to That ain't going to happen. No. Nice idea ain't going to happen. Right. I love the play-in tournament. Because really all this is about how can we get people to stop load managing? How can we get healthy scratches to stop? The only way you do that is raise the stakes. If you sit out games, the reason why the NFL doesn't have a load management issue is because you sit out a game, that might be the difference in your season, one game. Obviously, we have an 82-game schedule. You can't do that. But if you make the playoffs more exclusive, six teams, and then everyone else has to go through extra stuff, that might work. And then the midseason tournament, I'm not a fan of at all. You, I, we, I guess we got sound yeah. from some of the players talking about it, and I, I'm with them. What is this, college? Like, come on. Well, the other part of the midseason tournament, Scotty, is they're trying to take this soccer model, but the difference with soccer is that when you have these midseason tournaments in soccer, they're teams that never play each other. And soccer's a weekend sport for the most part. So you're getting these midweek games with teams you never see. In the NBA, everybody plays everybody already, so there's no difference. There's a big you know, difference there. I'm actually kind of for trying a, a lot of the stuff that they're they're doing. I, I think it's great. We need to see some change. Uh, we got different fans in the game. The mm-hmm. game is being played differently. But I, I think from a historical standpoint, um, a lot of this stuff doesn't doesn't make sense. And especially, you know, we all want to see the two best teams play in the finals. But if it's got to be two Western Conference teams, then from a historical standpoint. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I think going back to the midseason tournament, it's it's a cultural thing too. Soccer has done this for literally a hundred years. Right, right. No American sport does this. So to try to introduce that and say, oh, because we have it's a new day or whatever, I just don't think. First of all, the players won't buy in. Right. But do the fans even buy into right. that? Is well, it, no, because there's no meaning to right. it. It's not like, okay, and it's, it's like back in the day in baseball, right? Mm-hmm. But when they used to not play interleague and the American League played the National League for the first time in the World Series, right. like that was more meaningful. Right. If if the East never played the West, then maybe something like that would be more meaningful. And the, the other thing is also you got to look at soccer. For them to win the regular season is the biggest deal in the world, right? right? To win the regular – there's no playoff at the end of it. Correct. Just to win the regular season. Right. Obviously for us, the regular season is just a preamble – to the playoffs. So I just I think culturally as as a society here we're not prepared to you know kind of go like that. So regarding the potential midseason tournament, James Harden and PJ Tucker were asked about it. Let's take a listen. Playing a tournament, a single elimination tournament in December. You in college? You fight for an NBA championship. I don't want to play for anything else. What else is there? There's nothing else. It's like a consolation or something. I don't know. Scotty, you share their feelings? Yeah, I do. I mean, these guys are accustomed to playing 82 games and looking forward to the playoffs. And for you to be able to change their schedule, uh, it's going to be very difficult. I mean, a lot of these guys got contractual obligations that, you know, they're involved in. And they want to focus on winning an NBA title, not a midseason tournament. 
All right, let's move on. Our league pass game of the night, Wizards at Nuggets. The Nuggets are on a roll, winning nine of their last ten games and ranked second in the West. Nikola Jokic is one of the league's best centers, averaging nearly 17 points a game, ten boards and six assists. They'll host the Wizards, who are ranked second in the league in offense. Scotty, is everybody sleeping on the Nuggets right now? I, well, I think everybody always sleeps on the Nuggets. They don't have that flash, you know, and they're just a team that, are just winning games and winning. They haven't earned that respect yet. And right now, uh, regular season is football season. No one is really focusing on them. But they're going to be a team at the end of the season. They're going to still be there, but they're still young. They have to earn being one of the top teams in the league. And you do that throughout the playoff and not by being, being eliminated. I'm not sleeping on You haven't. You haven't, have to your credit. Yes. I think they're going to win the championship. That's right, Devo. I right. with you. The Nuggets going to win the championship this year. Everyone's sleeping on us. Okay, you can laugh now. Right. Make your meme. For Scotty, for me, I'm George. The jump doing? is back tomorrow at yeah. 2 Eastern on ESPN2. <laughs> See ya. What's in your-